This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Hey, guys. Back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah. And some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Okay. Mon- Monday, right? Is it? Is it? Is it Monday? <laughs> you tell me. It's not. What is it? It's Thursday. Thursday? Thursday. Thursday. <laughs> What's wrong with us? I don't know. So many things. <laughs> Where to begin? Um, how are you? I'm, I never. I'm great. You know, I never get to ask you how you are. We just see each other all the time. I never. You, you don't. You don't turn to someone and just say, "How you doing?" That's true. I guess that you know when you see a person all the time. Yeah. When you ask how are you, you're like really asking. You're like, tell me. Everything. Oh, yeah. I don't want to know That's weighing that. on your soul. No, nah, don't tell me that. Whereas, exactly. You're looking for more of like a <laughs> passing acquaintance where you go, how are you? And they go, I'm good. How about you? And you go, I'm great. Same old, same old. And like, see you next week. Absolutely. Or sometime. I promise I'll call. <laughs> you can't tell me there's not somewhere in between those two things. Sure. How are you? I'm I'm all right. I'm okay. And? Yes, and? And I'm... Ho- hoping to get this done pretty quickly, I guess, so oh. I can move on to other work that I have to do. Wow, okay, and I'm wasting time here. I feel a little stressed asking out. Asking how you're doing. 
So that's how I feel. All right. Now that's that got, see, that got a little too much. <sighs> <laughs> What's stressing you out, Diana? I just need the perfect answer. <laughs> oh, my God. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> Um, what do we do? Well, how are you? I'm how good. About that? I'm good. I was going to say we can share with everyone we've seen some good movies. Finally. Because we saw some <laughs> some stinkers. stinkers. <laughs> we'll, we'll leave those out. No need to be shit talking. Okay. But I want to. But it, it doesn't matter. We're here to feel good. Right. Nope was super good. Nope was awesome. Yes. I really loved Nope. Uh, very, very much a subversion of my expectations. Mm-hmm. Um, very Spielberg, mm-hmm. very Jordan Peele. I mean, it was, it was both of those. It was just like, it was great. The characters so fun. were really fun and cool, and I loved great. their chemistry. It was just, yeah, yeah, fantastic. Really good movie. Go see it. And then I'm never going to stop talking about Prey. Prey on Hulu, the Predator prequel. It takes place in like on a Comanche land mm-hmm. where the Predator shows up long before the movie Predator took place. Yeah. And it's so good. I can't stop talking about it because it's just such a tight movie. Mm-hmm. It's so narrow and focused and it just moves. Mm-hmm. And you just always know what's happening and there's not a bunch of extra bullshit. This movie couldn't have been any shorter than it was no. at like Please. an hour 40 minutes. It's so good. Yeah. Please give me a 90 minutes movies again. Yeah. Every movie is like two and a half hours now, and sometimes they deserve it, and sometimes they don't. Right. I'm fine with it if it needs it. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd, I'd hate for a movie to feel rushed. So if you got a two-hour story, two two and a half-hour story, give it to me, but don't give it to me if you don't need to. Mm-hmm. Call an editor. Call an editor who tells you to cut things you don't want to cut. That's right. And then listen to him. Like Marsha Lucas. Yeah. You need a good editor in your life. There we go. <laughs> Tie it into an back episode. To the show, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, th- those are the two that really stood out for me. Mm-hmm. We're also watching The Sandman. Sandman. And Sandman is like, we both read the comics like many years ago. Yeah. Loved them. Dave McKean, amazing art. Right. Uh, from those comics also. And I think he did another project with Neil Gaiman that was really cool too. Dave McKean? Uh, yeah, he directed the movie Mirror Mask. Mirror Mask. Which is one of my favorite movies, um, just for its effort. It's so beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's so unique, and it looks like one of his drawings come to life. Yeah. And it's just a little Alice in Wonderland story, and I love that as yeah, a template. Totally. So good. He does have some really cool, like, surreal artwork. Yeah. Just very awesome. Perfect uh, artist for, the, for Sandman, obviously. Yeah, right, <laughs> yeah. right, right, right. But so far, the the TV show has been really good. I was yeah. very worried because I like Sandman a lot. So uh-huh. I was like, uh-oh, how can you possibly translate this? But I've really enjoyed it so far. We're like three episodes in or something. Yeah, I think and- so. Mm-hmm. I don't remember the comics at all. I read them in college, so my memories are gone from that era. <laughs> um, so I'm watching it. I'm like, I know I've read this, but absolutely nothing is coming back to me. And I'm loving it. So mm-hmm. anyone who hasn't read the comics, I think you'd love it too. Totally agreed. Yeah. Agreed. And that's our little pop culture catch up. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's what we've been watching. Hell yeah. Did it do. <laughs> <laughs> what we've been watching. <laughs> um, so excited to come here today with a story. I want to talk right off the bat before we get into it mm-hmm. because we're going to, I think, probably in the title of this episode already, we're kind of interchanging the word monkey and ape. It's true. Which, of course, you know, they're totally different things. The rule of thumb 
is apes never have tails. Mm -hmm. Monkeys almost always have tails. Right. And apes are smarter. Most apes have tool usage mm -hmm. of some sort. And monkeys are dumb. <laughs> you know. Monkeys are dumb. Monkeys are they throw their shit at you. <laughs> when you see like those videos, I love these videos in India oh where monkeys are just like a pest. They're like squirrels or yeah, rats or something totally. where they're just like, you're just minding your business. <laughs> And all these monkey just climbs in your window and steals your breakfast. You're like, what the fuck? I'm like, oh my god! Or there's 400 monkeys in the road blocking traffic. <laughs> I love that. Except that, yeah, I would much prefer like a seagull to steal my sandwich than a monkey. Because yeah. monkeys will like bite you and fight you. Right. And <laughs> they are really like right. <laughs> crazy. They're, not They're crazy. They're crazy yeah. out here. These monkeying around. But apes, on the other hand, are slowly plotting our demise right. and to take over the world. And I, for one, welcome them. They, got <laughs> they can't do a worse job. <laughs> Doubtful. Although, you know, if we evolve from apes and they evolve, do they just become us? <laughs> uh, I, I, would, I would consider it a take two. Okay. They've, right. they've seen one right. version. Like, so we, we didn't have that luxury of having seen a failed version. <laughs> so they're literally the beta version. So they're, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that actually they're works. 2.0. They're like, okay, I see all the problems <laughs> that we went with. A lot of glitches on that last Yes. One. Let's do a full reboot. <laughs> well, when they find this podcast half buried, half buried in the ocean, <laughs> by the ocean. Half buried by the ocean. <laughs> they'll be like, what? <laughs> this, <laughs> I, love that, I love that there is a single unit of this podcast, <laughs> Just... a physical copy, half buried by the ocean. That's right. <laughs> which I assume means it's half not buried by the ocean. Right, right. Because part of it, otherwise, how do you know it's there? <laughs> you can't be able to see it. It's sticking up out of the water. Well, <sighs> so we're talking about apes today. We are talking about apes today. Yeah. Specifically, apes' balls. <laughs> <laughs> One particular part of the ape. So get ready for that. There's some surgery in this episode mm -hmm. that made me very uncomfortable. <laughs> so heads up on that, could too. could say there's a lot of wrinkles to this story. Oh, Ding dong. you could. <laughs> but why would you? Why but you wouldn't did. I? <laughs> I wouldn't, why would I not? Tell them what it's about. All right. So listen, when Charles Darwin published Origin of Species in 1859, he threw the scientific world into a fervor trying to either prove or disprove his theory of single origin evolution. Mm -hmm. Then in 1900, a German scientist named Hans Friedenthal did a blood cell analysis and he proved that chimps, gorillas, and orangutans were closer biologically to humans than we had originally thought. Okay. So all eyes were on apes after that. And apparently the Soviet Russian government in particular tries some weird shit with primates. Of course. And one Russian scientist, Serge Voronov, thought monkey balls would make you live forever. Oh. And he grafted testicle tissue from monkeys onto human men's scrotums. Oh, boy. Saying that it would, you know, help you look younger and <laughs> live longer and stuff like that. <laughs> wow. Oh, my <laughs> Sounds goodness. Sounds legit. <laughs> oh, you're looking so dewy and fresh this morning. Thank yeah. you. I just had the monkey balls <laughs> grafted to my scrotum. Well, you can tell. <laughs> it looks, you look amazing. <laughs> Another guy, Ilya Ivanov, was called Red Frankenstein oh. for his experiments trying to impregnate chimps with human sperm and vice versa. Oh, no. 
And when these files were declassified by the Kremlin in the 1990s after the fall of the USSR, headlines like The Sun in London suggested that this work was really about creating super strong hybrid soldiers for, quote, Stalin's mutant ape army. Oh, wow. (laughs) (laughs) I mean. (laughs) This is uh, the original Captain America. Right. Basically, yes. They were injecting (laughs) serums into things and hoping for the best. Uh Uh-huh. Obviously, this is like the dream prompt of a thousand fledgling sci-fi writers. (laughs) The idea grabbed a hold of our imaginations for years afterward. But what really happened with these sandbag scientists? Let's find out. It's time for some monkey business. Yeah, let's go. Hey there, friends. Come listen well. Eli and Diana got some stories to tell. There's no matchmaking or romantic tips. It's just about ridiculous relationships. A lover might be any type of person at all. An abstract concept or a concrete wall. But if there's a story worth a second glance, we'll put it in a show ridiculous romance. A production of iHeartRadio. Should we do a cover of the song that's just us going, I hope you recorded that because I don't uh, think we should, but I think we should share that. All complaints can be forwarded to iHeartMedia. <laughs> All right. The first guy that we're going to cover is Ilya Ivanov, our red Frankenstein human Z experimenter. He was born in 1870 in Kursk, Russia, and he graduated from Kharkiv University in 1896. He concentrated his research efforts in bacteriology at the Institut Pasteur in Paris before he worked with the world-famous physiologist Ivan Pavlov. Oh, I just started drooling. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Now, Pavlov was hard at work on his experiments with digestion conditioning, all that stuff, while Ivanov was helping to pioneer the brave new world of artificial insemination. Mm. And using some of the same surgical practices as Pavlov, Ivanov was able to successfully extract animal sex glands and develop techniques to artificially inseminate purebred horses. He was able to prove that artificial insemination was more efficient than natural insemination. One stallion could possibly impregnate 20 to 30 mares naturally, Mm -hmm. while Ivanov could use one stallion to inseminate 500 mares. Oh, my goodness. That's a lot more. Oh, that stallion has too many little stallions running around. (laughs) (laughs) The real Nick Cannon of of the horse world, (laughs) I was going to say. Or Elon Musk, apparently. Mm, Right. Hey, it's not my child. (laughs) I live to procreate. (laughs) (laughs) He's on horse Maury. (laughs) You are the father. All right, so this was hot stuff because purebred horses, I mean, they're still worth a lot of money today. But back then, horses were like, uh, hello, the main form of transportation. Mm -hmm. Also, they were like essential for farm labor, right. uh, which was kind of important. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it Where was all really, the food comes from. <laughs> right, exactly. So it was really noteworthy that this guy had a way to get 500 mares pregnant with just one stallion. Mm-hmm. Now, his theories were expanded to include more farm animals, and Ivanov became internationally famous as the leading expert on artificial insemination. Or the first AI. Oh, is that? Yeah. A lot of the articles keep saying, like, he used his work in AI to da-da-da. And I'm like, wow. (laughs) You just can't use this. You can't say that anymore. (laughs) AI is a different thing now. (laughs) 
That makes that Spielberg movie with Haley Joel Osment very different. Very weird. <laughs> AI, artificial insemination, starring Jude Law. Oh. I tell you what, it would sell out quickly. Okay, well, a lot of people would probably select Jude Law as their donor. <laughs> now, it wasn't long before this guy's scientific mind started wondering what else he could do with a whole bunch of sperm. <laughs> He thought that he could probably crossbreed closely related species to create novel types of domestic animals like, you know, like the Maltipoo or or something like that. <laughs> you know, it's like the, the first guy to go, uh, what, uh, what if we take dog and make it so it can no longer breathe? That sounds so cute. Yes. I would love to have one in my purse. Adorable crushed face. Total <laughs> respiratory ailment permanently. I love a stertorous dog. <laughs> Uh, but he did create the Z-Donk, which is a zebra-donkey hybrid and an awesome animal, I, I would must say. totally hang out with Z-Donk. <laughs> so, right? So thank you, Ivanov, for the Z-Donk. <laughs> uh, he also created a Zubron, which is a cross between a European bison and a cow. And he made various combinations of rats, mice, guinea pigs, and rabbits. Now, at a zoological conference in 1910, he first floated the idea that it might be possible He's like, I did it with rats. Mm -hmm. I did it with zebras and donkeys. I bet you I can make hybrid of human and ape. Our closest animal relatives. Oh, Ivanov, I think you need another vodka. <laughs> oh, I had three bottles already. That's when I came up with the idea. <laughs> but it wasn't until 1924 that Ivanov got the chance to put his theory to the test. Now, by then, Russia had gone through two revolutions that had deposed the czar and established several political parties. Mm. And then they went through a very bloody civil war between the far left Bolshevik Party and the other factions that had sprung up after the revolution. Okay. By 1923, the Bolsheviks had won and they reorganized themselves as the Communist Party of the Soviet Union mm. that we all know and love. <laughs> They created a, a whole army of James Bond villains. <laughs> there you go. Exactly. Yeah. Ivanov was at the Institute Pasteur working on sperm disinfection when the Institute offered him a great opportunity to try out his human hybrid theories. I got to say, uh, there's a few people whose sperm I'd like to disinfect. <laughs> <All right. laughs> Where's all that research? Right. <laughs> Now, the Institute couldn't provide any cash money for travel or operational expenses, but they did have a bunch of chimpanzees available at a facility in French Guinea, which was the French colonized area of West Africa. Now, I have to point out that at this time, primate researchers like Ivanov and others did not just stick with chimpanzees specifically. Okay. They ascribed to a polygenetic theory of human evolution, mm -hmm. which believed that each race of humans evolved from different species of ape. Okay. So okay. like your race, your skin color had right. something to do with your ape ancestor. Gotcha. So Asian people were from some type. Right. White the, people were from another type. Yeah. This they, they believed orangutans should be crossed with humans of the, quote, yellow race. Oh, no. Gorillas with humans of the black race, chimpanzees with the white race, and gibbons with, quote, the more brachycephalic peoples of Europe, which probably meant Jewish people. Okay, so this was not just a very racist theory uh -huh. of evolution, but they were like, how can we make this more racist? <laughs> exactly. Oh, through our terminology. 
it also really makes no sense because I was like, well, maybe it has something to do with like the country of origin of the the species of ape. Like, right. you know, they're like, well, you know, gorillas are, are from Africa, so they should be with African people and then uh-huh. whatever. But like orangutans and gibbons and stuff are all from Indonesia and Asia. So it's like how... It it really just said it makes no sense. Right. <laughs> like it makes no sense at and, all. Uh, I'm checking my zoology book here, and yeah, I don't believe out. chimpanzees are indigenous to England. I d- yeah, I don't you know I or Scandinavia. Don't think they have a lot of chimpanzees swinging around Denmark. Right. I agree. <laughs> I agree with that. Uh, uh, I will say that Charles Darwin himself. He, he was like, it's a single origin theory, not right. a multiple origin theory. He was like, I don't believe that the races have a different ancestor. Uh-huh. We all have the same ancestor. We're all the same species. Yep. That is the dumbest shit I ever heard. <laughs> and it's one, one guy named Doug. One guy named Doug. <laughs> <laughs> That's my single origin he theory. He picked up a stick and everything changed. <laughs> <laughs> so at any rate, there were a lot of different types of apes being used in these experiments. Um, Ivanov specifically wanted to use chimpanzees. But at any rate, he figured without any money, he wouldn't get very far to get to these monkeys. So he pitched his experiments to the Soviet Financial Commission and the Soviet Academy of Sciences, saying that he wanted to test the hypotheses of some of these existing scientific theories. Now, Scientific American says that he wanted to build on Hans Friedenthal's 1900 blood cell analysis that we mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. Hans had also said that the reproductive cells of primates and humans could possibly be compatible. So Ivanov was like, let's find out for sure if you could just fill this small cup for me. (laughs) Uh, There are some magazines in the bathroom. Just let me know when you're finished. Not Clearly twice. label. Yes. <laughs> Clearly label your sample. Please don't forget to lock door <laughs> because last time, very embarrassing. We've had many accidents. Doug was here. <laughs> Whole disaster. Um, there was also this Dutch zoologist and a German sexologist, and they had separately proposed experiments where they were going to inseminate chimpanzee females with human sperm to see if they would get pregnant. Now, neither of these two ever made it past the planning stages, and that Dutch zoologist actually got fired from his teaching position just for suggesting it. The Danes were like, not here. (laughs) We don't do that weird shit. Uh, Yes, we have recently decided that when there's something rotten in the state of Denmark, we are going to stomp it out quickly. (laughs) Okay, but with Ivanov's pitch, there was also this added political element because he also said that if he could prove that chimps and humans were biologically compatible, this would prove Darwin's theory of evolution. And that would be a real diss to religion. Mm. And the Bolsheviks themselves were atheists. So this sounded great to them. They were like, well, in terms of stomping out religion, this is kind of big win for us. Right. Russian Orthodox Church was pretty big over yeah. there. So it was a, yeah. that was a big, big change to try to make in your citizens, I think. We're all watching The Great. Right, exactly. That spindly guy has all sorts of plans. So many plans. Can't get around a weird him. long tongue. <laughs> creepy beard. <laughs> also, side note, that actor who plays the head priest mm-hmm. on The Great is the voice of the chimp on the Umbrella Academy. So no it all it all ties together. See, single, single single origin. origin. <laughs> and it's that guy. And it's he's Doug. <laughs> The Soviet government may have been interested in this proposal, regardless of the religious angle, though. 
Um, because new scientist quotes Alexander Atkins, a Soviet-born specialist in Russian history at the University of Cambridge, pointing out that high-ranking Bolsheviks believed that science could help them achieve a socialist utopia. Atkins mm. says, quote, Politicians could change the political system, nationalize industries, and turn farms into vast collectives. But the task of transforming people was entrusted to scientists. Mm, okay. The aim was to match people to the socialist design of Soviet society. Right. So, yeah, Soviet science was really interested in what's called positive eugenics. Oh, positive eugenics. So positive with big <laughs> smiley emojis. Yeah. Just got to be upbeat about your eugenics. <laughs> <laughs> I'm more of a glass half full eugenicist. <laughs> now, what what that means is that you're breeding for four certain characteristics, uh -huh. as opposed to the Nazis' negative eugenics, which is where you sterilize or kill people with undesirable traits. Oh, uh, right. Um, so that they won't be able to reproduce those traits. Right, right. Um, so it's it just means you're breeding for or against positive or right. negative. Still has the same eugenics problem of of someone deciding what is a positive what is trait. Good. Yes, and this and saying if you aren't allowed to reproduce anymore, then the world is better. Uh huh. That's quite a statement. Well, anyway, at this time they were still all about eugenics, and the Soviets were tr really hoping to breed people. Who liked living and working communally, mm -hmm. were not competitive or greedy, okay. or had any desire to own property. This kind of led some people to say instead of breeding a super strong mutant ape army, they were actually trying to create the perfect Soviet worker who was dumb, strong, and obedient. Oh, yeah. Etkind, yeah. anyway, Etkind thinks this is the main motivation for both Ivanov and the Soviet regime. So there's a lot of different reasons people think that they were into this idea, but he thinks this is the main one. Quote, like many others, Ivanov was swept along by the Bolshevik dream. Mm. So he kind of feels that they all deluded themselves into thinking that they could breed a new society. Right. Yeah. I mean, you get what they're going for. Right. Mm -hmm. So live living and working communally with right. no desire to own property and stuff like first of all, these aren't genetic traits. Right. I don't think I think a lot of them are learned traits. And sure, you could say maybe people have a predisposition for it. I don't know. But it seems like these are more environmental traits. I don't think you can breed out someone's desire to own property because that's not a natural I don't think so Trait, either. Right? And I, well, and I was like, and the main thing is that you're saying mammals, you uh -huh. know, the, these mammals are social creatures. They they need each other. They, uh -huh. they live and sure. that for safety and all that. But so are we like we are yeah. also social creatures. We have that already inherently in us. Right. It's just additional societal human things that we put on ourselves that make us want to own property and feel competitive with one another and right. all that, right? They're just like, no loners. <laughs> None of you weird kids. Right. Who have lunch all alone in the corner. Sick of you emo hairstyles. Uh-huh. Well, whatever the motivation, Ivanov's proposal was accepted. He was given $10,000 by the Soviet Financial Commission. And then along with his son, he went off to a research facility in Western Africa to get going on his own experiments. But when he got there, he realized that all the big talk about this special scientific facility had been greatly exaggerated. Mm. He gets there and guess what? There's only two veterinarians on staff. 
Uh-oh. He also discovered documentation that around 700 chimpanzees had been bought from hunters since the station was founded in 1923, but more than half of them had died before they could be shipped to Paris to be experimented on. Because, mm. like, also, once it had been discovered that apes were our closest biological relative, all the scientists were like, oh, my God, get me some apes, because yeah. they became the preferred species on which to test things that, you know, to make sure they were safe for humans, like vaccines, mm -hmm. other medicines, you know, French lipstick, <laughs> yep. perfumes, those big, poofy, those big poofy collars, mm -hmm. big um, poofy collars. <laughs> uh, new sitcoms. They would show them sitcoms and be like, they weren't laughing. Mm -mm. Better put Kevin James in there, see if we can't add to it. They all clap when he's They all clap. Kevin, he's, it's like he's one of their own. Oh, my God. Poor Kevin James. What did he do to deserve? Uh, Paul Blart. That's what he did oh, to deserve. Well, there you go. <laughs> I wish he'd make a movie about this and we could call it Paul Blart Ball Cop. Ball Cop. Oh, my God. Okay, so on top of everything else... Ivanov learned that the chimps that were still alive had been kidnapped as infants, so they were still too young to breed. Jeez. Also, the That's the whole reason I came. <laughs> right. Also, the staff of the research station were openly hostile to Ivanov because they thought that he was going to report back to Institut Pasteur about all the terrible conditions. Which I kind of hope he did, to I be mean, honest. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> Jeez. So according to an article in New Scientist by Stephanie Payne, Ivanov actually went back to Institute Pasteur for a few months to study various ways to capture and subdue chimps. I guess that's pretty important. And he also worked with Serge Voronoff, our monkey ball rejuvenation guy. Okay. We're going to talk about him in a little bit. Yeah. But they spent their summer together making headlines by transplanting a human woman's ovary into a chimp called Nora and then inseminating Nora with human sperm. So kind of Nora to volunteer for this I'm experiment. I'm sure. I'm sure she raised her hand real quick. <laughs> she signed all those documents. Around. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it did not work, uh, unsurprisingly, but because by November he was heading back to try again with these young chimps in French Guinea. Mm. This time, he inseminated three chimpanzees with human sperm and waited, hopefully, for a man-ape hybrid egg to attach itself. Oh. Now, listen, I gotta ask, who yeah. is supplying all of this sperm? Because <laughs> he's got sperm coming out of his nose. <laughs> oh, well, that's a whole other medical problem that he needs to check out. Where did they graft the monkey balls? <laughs> Oopsie. Knife slipped. Speculation station. Okay. I think Ivanov himself would bring in a little sample every day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my! I'm trying to create my son. <laughs> but he's also a scientist, right? So they right. feel, you know, you can't just use one source. You have to try many sources. Oh, right, right. You need a control group so, and everything. Right. And yeah. A, yeah. So do you think that he would ask all his lab assistants like, hey, before you sit down, <laughs> you know what you got to do. Into the bathroom. Morning cup of coffee, morning cup of. <laughs> oh, no. And they were all like, this is the best job I've ever had. <laughs> well, anyway, no dice. Not a single chimp presented Ivanov with a hairy baby to call his own. Ugh. And there weren't enough chimps available to continue the experiment. Unless... Ooh, yes, unfortunately, Ivanov had the worst idea of his life when he decided, hey, if I can put the human sperm into chimps... I can put chip sperm into humans. It works both ways. The transitive property of human ape sperm. <laughs> you go up the stairs, you go down the stairs. They both, they do both. <laughs> 
And so Ivanov is thinking, well, I kind of can't assume that any human woman out there would ever volunteer for this. Mm -hmm. So I just pick some random African women from nearby area and pretend we're doing a routine medical examination, then pump them full of chimp sperm without their knowledge or consent. Easy peasy. He pitched this idea to a local hospital. And of course, you got to imagine medical professionals would be like, absolutely not. I swore an oath. Do no harm. Mm -hmm. I will not allow such experiments. But no, they completely agreed and he got permission to do it. Yeah, all set to go. Fortunately, the general governor of French Guinea, Paul Poiret, stepped in and said, no, absolutely <laughs> no to this bullshit. And that left Ivanov without any money or options. So he and his son decided to make like Meryl Streep and get out of Africa. <laughs> Now, okay, this is where all the sources start to diverge on what happened here. Because in Scientific American, they say that he asked for women to volunteer to be impregnated with chimp sperm, mm -hmm. and he found at least one to participate. Hmm. Now, in New Scientist, it says that only three of the 20 chimps survived the journey to Russia. And by the time he had five volunteers ready, the only male among them died of a brain hemorrhage. So he didn't have any chimp sperm to work with. Yeah, he sent them all letters like, sorry, waiting for sperm. <laughs> <laughs> Please hold. <laughs> but then an article from Brown University's Laboratory Primate Newsletter says that the research facility, quote, received letters from individuals of both sexes volunteering to give themselves to the research, but no claim as to specific events or individuals was ever forthcoming. Right. So did he get one volunteer, five volunteers, no volunteers? Right. No one's... Or like volunteers, but they never showed up they and never, did anything. Right. Or like, yeah. it's so funny that it's both sexes too. Like, why? what dude was like, yeah, impregnate me. <laughs> like, <laughs> do you not have any idea what the fuck's going on? Maybe they're like, well, let's see if we can put a chimp uterus into you right, and, and, and then... get ourselves a junior <gasps> situation. Oh my God, I would love a man-ape junior situation. Can we please have <laughs> I, that movie I with would... Kevin James is... <laughs> <laughs> James is the ape <laughs> who gives their uterus up to Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh, I thought he would have the baby. I thought Kevin he'd be James is going to have the baby. I thought Kevin James might play the baby, the ape. Oh, he's the, he's the he's the he's the hybrid. Yeah, they just mm. CG. It's like the really bad CG <laughs> from what we do in the shadows. So they put his face Alan Robinson. on a little chimp baby. Ooh. <sighs> I'm ready for this. Movie. I mean, I don't know why we don't have a studio where we can produce. Well, all look, these I know ideas uh, once again. HBO Max has been listening to the show. They are in touch regularly about giving us all kinds of deals. I mean, when yeah, I say in touch, they haven't actually emailed us, but I imagine that they have drafts. I feel like they've but thought they've about got, it. They've got so much going on over there right now. We just got to wait for the dust to settle. And then exactly. there'll be plenty of shows. They're yes. actually, they're changing it all up so they can make room for our program. kind of, I mean, you know, so. some NDAs. We're not supposed to talk about it too much, but HBO <laughs> is just making room for us. We, <laughs> our we NDA is actually cease and desist. <laughs> You're not affiliated with me. All right. But then Ilya Ivanov was caught up in revolutionary politics. Yeah. The scientific faction, including Herman Muller, who supported Ivanov's experiments, they were hoping that his genetic discoveries would help Soviet scientists figure out what qualities to select for in their positive eugenics. Mm. So he's like, this is going to be really important work. He's telling Stalin, like, this guy is awesome. 
Meanwhile, there's an opposing scientific faction who believed that any genetic research at all, ever, would lead straight to fascism. And Stalin believed the latter. That led to a huge purge among scientists in primate research. Herman Muller had to flee Moscow after advocating for Ivanov. Several of his colleagues were rounded up and shot. Scientific American says that an investigation into Ivanov uncovered his idea to inseminate African women without their consent, and they had concluded that his behavior, quote, might undermine the trust of Africans in European researchers and doctors and make problematic any further expeditions of Russian scientists to Africa. But of course, Ilya was not in Africa anymore. Um, So this kind of sounds to me like, oh, we came up with a really good excuse to get rid of somebody who we already wanted to get rid of. We Uh, just didn't have a good excuse. But here's a great one. But at any rate, Ivanov was caught up in this purge. He was exiled to Kazakhstan in 1930. They said, you have no choice but to stan. Oh, wow. (laughs) Wow. Diana does Gen Z humor. Yeah, that's me (laughs) doing my TikTok stuff. Anyway, he worked there in Kazakhstan for a zoological institute until his death from a stroke in 1932. And he actually was absolved of all the claims against him a few years later. Oh, okay. And Pavlov wrote his obituary. Oh, nice. Pavlov was a really big anti-communist. And because he was so respected, they let him get away with saying a lot of crazy shit (laughs) about them. Now, in 1932, Dmitry Shostakovich even sketched out an opera called Orango about these experiments, and it had a libretto written by Tolstoy, real who's who of Russian writers. Mm -hmm. Uh, Only about 40 (laughs) minutes of it exists, and it was wholly abandoned by everyone involved. Uh, But in 2011, it was actually staged by the Los Angeles Philharmonic. I wish I'd seen it. Oh, for real? <laughs> that would be so cool. The LA Times describes the plot as this, quote, The rise and fall of Orango, a.k.a. Jean Orr, a human-ape hybrid who becomes a virulent anti-communist and newspaper baron through a combination of sleazy journalism, stock exchange swindles, and ruthless blackmail before his corrupted humanity causes him to revert back to his bestial nature. He is then put in a cage and displayed as a cautionary tale. So this sounds like the basis for Dunstan Checks. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> the hit orangutan comedy uh... of 1994. Five, I want to say. <laughs> With Jason Alexander and a monkey in a hotel. That's right. Oh, an ape, excuse me. That's right. An orangutan. An orangutan. It was an ape, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's interesting how they're like, as soon as the ape became human, he, he became an anti-communist, uh-huh. even though the whole point is to make people who want to be communists right. because of their ape tendencies. Yeah. And then I love the idea of an ape doing stock market swindles. I I just want to see him on the Wall Street like, bye, bye, bye. (laughs) He's got the little tie and (laughs) glasses. He's sitting at a big oak desk. He rings the bell. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) He's throwing papers everywhere. (laughs) So, you know, that's just one crazy Russian scientist Mm -hmm. and his ape experiments. But we also have our friend Serge Voronov to talk about. And he thought monkey testicles could make you live forever. So let's take a quick break and come back with that right after this. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. 
Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality potency and consistency scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality visit lazarusnaturals.com today lazarus naturals committed to improving your life as well as the world around you not available in idaho iowa or south dakota snag a job is where america goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring with access to over six million active hourly workers Snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Need an easy button to feed your baby? Baby Bretza's Formula Pro Advanced makes a perfectly mixed warm formula bottle automatically at the push of a button. No air bubbles, no fuss. Literally, choose your temp, select your ounces, push start, and you're done. Works with virtually all formulas and bottles. Say goodbye to the 3 a.m. feeding chaos and hello to this revolutionary, stress-free solution. Raising a baby is hard enough. Let Baby Bretza make feeding a breeze. Get your Formula Pro Advanced at babybrezza.com. All right, apes and monkeys, welcome back to the show. Yeah, and Serge Voronoff is the name, and monkey balls are the game. (laughs) (laughs) Now, Serge Voronoff was born in Russia in 1886, but when he was 18, he moved to France, and he became a citizen in 1895. So people are like, he's a French scientist, he's a Russian scientist. Uh, Are the two countries fighting for him being connected to them, or against? Well, The Russians are like, no, he's French scientist. The French are like, no, 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 he is Russian. (laughs) I think depends on which part of his life we're talking about. Yeah, right, right, right. Uh, He studied originally under transplant pioneer Alexis Carrel, which is what got him interested in the possibilities of using animal-to-human hormone transfers to restore people to youth and vigor. Right. Then in 1889, he started working with a 72-year-old experimental physiologist, Charles Edouard Brown Sequard. This guy also thought that animal glands had something to offer human beings. 
And now he gave a lot to science about how the spinal cord works. Uh, okay. He was the first to theorize the existence of hormones. Oh, wow. Okay. But unfortunately, he's best known for this little experiment. The same year Voronoff started working with him, Brown Sequard injected himself with a serum made up of crushed up matter from the testicles of guinea pigs and dogs. Oh. And told an entire scientific meeting's worth of people that it helped with rejuvenation and prolonged life. He said that it renewed his own muscle strength. And then he even told them that he had passed the final test by, quote, paying a visit to his young wife just hours before this lecture. Oh, my God. <laughs> Which I love the idea of him being like, and fellas, I got laid before <laughs> I showed up here. And they're like, yeah, And yeah. my dick worked great. Ah, that's all, that's all. <laughs> that's all, exactly. I love this, the idea of this guy, too, going to his wife. Honey, mm-hmm. <laughs> are you ready? I just injected myself with <laughs> guinea pig's testicles. She's like, She's, oh. Oh, la, la. <laughs> Now, this 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 serum was not very well received by the scientific community. It became known derisively as the Brown Sequard Elixir. Uh-huh. One newspaper jokingly likened it to Ponce de Leon's search for the fountain of youth. <laughs> Another said, quote, The lecture must be seen as further proof of the necessity of retiring professors who have attained their three score and ten years. (laughs) Okay. Little ageist, but I mean, (laughs) they're like, like, this old man needs to go lie down. (laughs) At a certain point, you just start trying to justify your job in the industry. Making some crazy shit up. Doing doing the most right now. <laughs> the widespread ridicule of the serum and the fact that it did not really have the anti-aging properties that they were hoping for mm-hmm. made Voronoff decide that tissue grafting would be a much more effective treatment than injections. So in 1896, Voronoff moved to Egypt and started studying eunuchs. According to a 2007 scientific paper, he, quote, noted their obesity, lack of body hair, and broad pelvises, as well as their flaccid muscles, lethargic movements, memory problems, and lowered intelligence. Wow. I'm thinking back to several stories we've done about a real smart eunuch who made the whole place his bitch. I'm just like, okay, whatever you say. (laughs) But Voronov blamed all these things on their lack of testicles, which he assumed deprived eunuchs of all important glandular excretions. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm I'm no geneticist, but I can tell you that's false. (laughs) Um, In his 1920 book, Life, a study of the means of restoring vital energy and prolonging life, which is a terrible title. I mean, not an English major, I guess. No, he's like, I just need to lay out the facts. (laughs) (laughs) So in this ridiculously titled book, he wrote, quote, the sex gland stimulates cerebral activity as well as muscular energy and amorous passion. It pours into the stream of the blood a species of vital fluid, which restores the energy of all the cells and spreads happiness. Ooh. A healthy sexual gland tissue grafted onto the testicles of an aging man basically injected us with the vitality of youth. But not only that, he also believed that it could cure impotence, senility, and schizophrenia. He also thought it could radically prolong lives and improve your sex drive. Truly, a miracle cure, step right up. Right. <laughs> the question is, what can't it do? Right? It'll cure baldness. <laughs> it'll it'll make you grow a, an extra arm. Whoa, <laughs> who doesn't need one of those? <laughs> it'll dry up your sinuses and fix your teeth. 
<laughs> he spent 14 years working and studying at an Egyptian hospital before he returned to France. And then around 1917, he started to receive funding from a wealthy American named Evelyn Bostwick, which gave him his chance to start experimenting on transplants on animals because they were expensive to get, you know, get the actual apes right. and put them somewhere and take care of them and all that. Uh, Evelyn also translated that terribly titled 1920 book into English. She's okay. just a real big fan of his work. Yeah. I love monkey balls. I know. She's like, <laughs> she's like, figure out what I need to smear on my face yeah, so right. I look young again. <laughs> <laughs> Voronoff performed over 500 operations where he transplanted testicular tissue from young horses and sheep to older horses and sheep and was like, look, now they, they're they back to their old strength again. They're okay. neighing louder. They're running faster. They're bigger than they used to be, all that kind of thing. And during the course of all these experiments, he decided that primates were the perfect transplant option for humans thanks to all those biological similarities we talked about. And in 1915, he implanted a chimpanzee thyroid gland to a mentally disabled boy in France and claimed that over the course of a year, the boy's mental faculties returned to normal. Uh-huh. And he was no longer mentally disabled. Okay. Which, not a lot of proof to back up that claim. Right. It was just a picture before and after, and the kid looks a little older. I don't know. <laughs> and it doesn't look like much changed, but okay. <laughs> wow. Now, okay, Vornoff started his testicle transplantation with human-to-human testes at first. He used the testes of executed criminals and transplanted them into aging millionaires. Honestly, I'm surprised at this point the millionaires weren't like, no, I don't want to become a criminal. Like, you I, know, like, the, right? like, like, what's that Simpsons where uh, Homer gets the hair transplant from Snake <laughs> and, it, and uh, the hair connects to his, his brain and turns him into a killer? Which actually people did think that. Vornoff yeah. did too. He thought that it could. He wanted to test it anyway. Yeah. He was like, maybe that will give you certain characteristics of the donor. Right. Um, but I guess they were just the balls he could get his hands on at the time. <laughs> <laughs> well, this became a very popular experiment. I guess a lot of rich folks thought this was a great idea. And the demand for the procedure soon outstripped the supply of dead criminals' balls. <laughs> so Vornoff <laughs> knew he had to find a new source of nards for his marbles magic. <laughs> So naturally, he turned to apes. Mm -hmm. His first official implantation was June 12th of 1920. He, he took... I shouldn't have given you this paragraph. He took, he took thin slices of testicles from, chimp from chimpanzees and baboons, and he implanted them inside the patient's uh, scrotum. Mm -hmm. oh, you are right? You are right? Yeah. Uh, he believed that the thinness... Uh, God... He believed that the thinness of the tissue would help the body fuse with it instead of rejecting it. I mean, at least he thought of that. So, it's just like, oh, oh, I feel so much younger. There's a thin slice of ape balls in my scrotum. Mm -hmm. God. I know. Very the crazy. The discomfort. I mean, the discomfort. Like, there's no way this isn't weeks of recovery, right? I've, it does not say, but I would assume that. I mean, God. it seems like quite a thing to do to cut your scrotum open or cut it in any way. All I right, let's sorry, stop. Sorry, let's sorry. stop. <laughs> sorry. There's a big year for Vornoff <laughs> because he also married the American heiress and his biggest supporter, Evelyn Bostwick. Same year. 
What a what a time. Wow. He was them. like, I need to celebrate my first uh-uh. testicle transfer with a nice wedding night. <laughs> but Evelyn sadly died only a year later. And her daughter, who was a gender nonconforming lesbian speedboat racer named Marion Joe Carstairs, mm-hmm. who is definitely getting her own episode at some point. Oh my God. So many. Um, she cool. maintained for the rest of her life that Vornov had killed her mother for the money. And there was no evidence to back this up. But Evelyn did leave Vornoff a considerable inheritance and a large income for the rest of his life. So, you know, speculation station, he killed that woman. He killed her? I mean, I don't know. Yeah. What do you think? Look, he doesn't strike me as a killer, but... No, but he needed that money. He needed that money. He needed to buy those monkey balls. That's monkey right. balls aren't cheap. He's like, listen... I know that you pay for everything already, but know, like, what if I could just use it however I want it? I guess that's my question is like, he, she was already covering his expenses. Right. That's, unless that year of time, uh-huh. she started to get real like particular about how he was spending his money or something, uh-huh. the money or something like maybe, but otherwise she seemed to be so into it. What would be the point? All right. Well, anyway, by 1923, Voronoff was the director of the experimental laboratory at the College de France. 700 of the world's leading surgeons at an international conference in London applauded his work rejuvenating old men. I mean, this guy was internationally respected for the work he was doing. And his work was so in demand that a facility in Africa was set up solely to capture and maintain apes for gland transfers. And that could actually be the exact same facility in French Guinea that Ivanov went to because there weren't that many of these like primate reserves already existing at this time. They were starting to get set up over these years, but um, there weren't that many. So it could be the exact same hospital. Also, one of the rumors around Ivanov's work was that the Bolsheviks sent him to French Guinea just to bring back monkeys for gland transfers because they were like aging, you know, and they wanted to be rejuvenated for the betterment of the people or whatever. Um, But our guy Etkind from that New Scientist article doesn't think that that makes much sense. In the article, he says, quote, If you want to cover up a bizarre scheme to rejuvenate aging politicians, then you wouldn't choose an even more bizarre project that's going to attract a lot of publicity, Mm. which is a fair point. And also at this conference, Voronov announced that he was close to figuring out how to use his treatments to help women with rejuvenation and anti-aging. Because, you know, women don't have testicles to graft things on. So he's like, I really got to get to work on that. And he promised at that conference to, quote, Turn grandmothers into debutantes. Wow. Now, throughout the 1920s, the surgery was incredibly popular. It even inspired other scientists to get into the gonad game. (laughs) For example, Eugen Steinach in Vienna, he decided that a simple 20-minute procedure could do everything Voronov promised and more. Mm. McGill University's Office of Science and Society writes that, quote, at the time, Researchers had determined that there were two types of tissues in the testicles. Seminal tubules produced spermatozoa, but there were also cells between the tubules that released sex hormones. Steinach's idea was that the two types of tissues compete for nourishment and that stifling the sperm-producing tissues would boost the production of sex hormones. (laughs) So, essentially, he would give men a partial vasectomy. And patients who included Sigmund Freud and W.B. Yeats would call, quote, getting Steinocked. I've been Steinocked! <laughs> hey, you get Steinocked yet? 
Well, you look great. <laughs> <laughs> he wrote that this damming of the Seminole Canal, quote, changed my patients from feeble, parched, dribbling drones to men of vigorous bloom who threw away their glasses, shaved twice a day, dragged loads of up to 220 pounds, and even indulged in such youthful follies as buying land in Florida. I love that. The idea. <laughs> Only a young man would buy land in Florida. <laughs> oh, I would buy land in Florida, but it's a young man's game. <laughs> what is it about Florida specifically? That's so right. funny. He also claimed that he had thrice rejuvenated himself, which as... He is Austrian, right? Yeah. Yep. Uh, which as McGill <laughs> University... double check. <laughs> just making sure I'm doing the right voice here. <laughs> As McGill University points out, is a very strange claim because, quote, once the duct is tied off, it's tied off. <laughs> Whatever improvements Steinock and his patients felt was probably due to wishful thinking, because as we now know, vasectomies do not boost hormonal output by the testes. <laughs> Sorry, Steinock. Yeah. <laughs> Steinock also, by the way, thought that he could cure homosexuality by transplanting a heterosexual man's testicle into a homosexual man's body for, quote, remasculinization. Hmm. Uh, but fortunately, nobody ever volunteered for this experiment for some reason. <laughs> I don't even think they let him get to the point of asking. Yeah. For <laughs> they were like, no, Steinock, all, all right. right. <laughs> But Voronov was going strong. Throughout the 20s, he grafted over 500 men himself with his hands, and his techniques were used on thousands more. Now, we already know that Voronov branched out a little when he worked with Ilya Ivanov to graft a human woman's ovary into a monkey and then right. tried to impregnate it with human sperm around 1924. Okay. Apparently, he also transplanted monkey ovaries into human women as well. Oh, Though it's not clear if he actually tried to inseminate them or not. Likely the ovaries were just, in, I assume, rejected by the body. Yeah. So he never got that far. Right. Or they just didn't feel like mentioning it. <laughs> I don't know. But uh, Voronov also claimed to use his grafting techniques to create a flock of super sheep in 1927. Wow. He said they were bigger and stronger than non-grafted sheep. And from that, he hypothesized that a superhuman giant could also possibly be created through grafts. Oh, my God. Seriously, they're trying to make a Captain America here. Yeah. And it's uh, they're just like, all you need are two balls right. <laughs> and a dream. <laughs> like, <laughs> Why, they... They came up with this whole problem with serum in the MCU mm -hmm. when it could have just been sewing some balls onto the guy. <laughs> Do you think that <laughs> when he's, Steve he's... Rogers had, had quickly agreed <laughs> if they had said, hey, listen, all it is a small operation. Whatever it takes, he said. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I could do this all day. And he's super strong, but he has a real hard time running because he's got he's four like, balls. Ow, ow, ow. <laughs> now, popular culture was rife with references to this treatment sure. at the time. The poet E.E. E. Cummings described Voronoff as, quote, the famous doctor who inserts monkey glands into millionaires. <laughs> A new cocktail called the monkey gland, which is made of gin, orange juice, grenadine, and absinthe, became the hottest new beverage. Oh, that is so... Why did they have to put grenadine in it? Because now, with orange juice and grenadine, the color you're getting 
looks to me, and I'm sorry for anyone who's drinking this right now while you're listening to our <laughs> podcast, but it looks like a surgical fluid. You know, Ooh. like I'm picturing that pinkish orange right. kind of thick. Ew. That is, I'm sorry. Ew. It's something that came out of a. Ugh, ugh. That's pretty gross. I, yeah, sorry. <laughs> they were like, we want to achieve just, a color that's really look, close to a monkey ball. <laughs> it came into my head. I had to share it with everyone. <laughs> That's what Voronoff said, all right? If y'all would just keep these things to yourself. (laughs) Fair. Also in Paris, a popular home decor item were ashtrays depicting monkeys protecting their private parts Uh with the phrase, no, Voronoff, you won't get me painted on them. (laughs) (laughs) I want one of those ashtrays so badly. Seriously, if if there is one out there in the vintage world, I would... Die, don't it? That's hilarious. That's so good. No, far enough. You won't get me. <laughs> <laughs> With him covering the his balls? balls like the see no evil, speak yes. no evil, but there's a fourth one. Oh my God. <laughs> wow. All I right. I'm obsessed. Let's, I gotta, oof. let's go take a look and see if we no, can find I'm one of those. I'm gonna go look on eBay immediately. <laughs> uh, we'll take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. 
Need an easy button to feed your baby? Baby Bretza's Formula Pro Advanced makes a perfectly mixed warm formula bottle automatically at the push of a button. No air bubbles, no fuss. Literally, choose your temp, select your ounces, push start, and you're done. Works with virtually all formulas and bottles. Say goodbye to the 3 a.m. feeding chaos and hello to this revolutionary stress-free solution. Raising a baby is hard enough. Let Baby Bretza make feeding a breeze. Get your Formula Pro Advanced at babybretza.com. Welcome back to the show. Uh, still haven't found the ashtray, but no. when I do, I promise I will post <laughs> I'll be the first a to link know. <laughs> about it. <laughs> okay, so it seemed like the world was Varnov's Rocky Mountain Oyster. <laughs> but which is which is that a ball reference? Yes, is that, that is a ball reference. Oh, yes. Apparently Rock I only know this reference because one time I was at a at the farmers market uh-uh. with my mom as a kid okay. and they had Rocky Mountain oysters for sale. Sure. And I immediately was like, how do they have oysters from the Rocky Mountains because oysters are live in the ocean. Yeah. And I'm I'm a smart kid and <laughs> I know there's no ocean in the mountains and mom had to explain to me with a very embarrassed smile on her face, that that meant bull testicles. Okay. And apparently, yeah, it's Rocky Mountain oysters or prairie oysters Great. is a bull testicle. Great. Now we know. Now we all know. So, yeah. Uh, so the you won't you accidentally know. think you're eating mountain oysters sometime. <laughs> you're welcome. It's a sweet bread. So Fornoff's doing well. He decided to kick it up a notch by opening his own monkey farm in the Italian Riviera in 1925. It was called Castle Vornoff. He built a primate enclosure in the garden and hired a former circus animal keeper to run it. And he also had a small hospital built on the ground so that he could do operations right there. Truly a farm to testicle operation. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wow. He was charging around 10,000 francs for this operation. It's a little hard to convert to today's currency dollars, but according to Atlas Obscura, that was a year's salary for a chorus member at the Paris Opera. So some, there's, that shit for, up. you know, just so you have a reference that you can make sense of, because <laughs> <laughs> you know, we all know um, with his inheritance from Evelyn and all this money coming in from these expensive operations, Vornoff lived in serious luxury. You know, lifestyles of the rich and famous. Yeah. Here's the monkey ball doctor <laughs> living in his beautiful home paid for by the testicles of hundreds of monkeys. <laughs> maybe thousands. Mm. Thanks, monkeys. They're selfless sacrifice. <laughs> I'm being told they were apes, actually, which are far more intelligent. <laughs> Even better. Wow. This guy occupied the entire first floor of one of Paris's most expensive hotels. He was accompanied by a bunch of chauffeurs and personal secretaries. He had valets. He had two mistresses. He was really living it up. He was making dough. But all this could not last forever. Oh. Oh, <laughs> really I know we're seriously upset about that. You can't go get that surgery right now. No, in the early 1930s, many of Voronoff's patients were surprised, showing signs of aging. Oh, <gasps> see, that's the trick with anti-aging stuff, is that People... it works for you for about 10 years. Yeah, and then... And then you see what's happening. <laughs> exactly. And that gave the many skeptics around the world a lot of ammunition sure. for their arguments against. And that I will say that he was very popular, you know... Pop culture was all over it. There were still a lot of people who were like, hmm, that don't sound real. Sure. 
But Voronoff explained that to his frustration, the gland grafts seemed to die off and stop being effective after three to five years. <laughs> and while he could re-rejuvenate his patients with another 10,000 franc operation... <laughs> of course. Of course. There's always a solution. It didn't work. Well, just come pay me to do it again. <laughs> no, and then it'll Simple work for solution. another three to five years. Yeah. Um, no, he said, listen, I'm working on a longer lasting technique where he would test the blood of the monkey and of the patient and make sure they were compatible mm. blood types, I guess. Okay, okay. And he felt that if he could work that out, he claimed that his graft would help someone live to 140 years old. Wow. Which is a very specific long number. Right. <laughs> but by 1935, scientists had isolated and identified testosterone, <laughs> which Voronoff had kind of been waiting for because he believed you know, as we've talked about, he believed that the testicular gl gland secreted some kind of substance. And once they figured out what it was, grafting surgery would no longer be required. Okay. They would have the substance they could use instead. So he kind of expected the discovery of testosterone to back up his theories. He said if patients were given injections of testosterone, they would become young, strong, and virile. But when his hypothesis was tested, of course, testosterone injections were not found to prolong life or help with anti-aging. Mm. They just kind of boosted up some secondary sex characteristics. Right. But that's right. kind of it. Yeah. Somewhat ironically, given Voronoff's obsession with ball sacks, it's actually estrogen that has wrinkle-decreasing properties. Oh, okay. So he was looking in the wrong place Perhaps, yeah. <laughs> for his anti-aging. So Voronoff's grafting theories fell out of favor. And he stopped performing surgeries, but he continued to work at Castle Voronov trying to cure other human ailments that he refused to name. Uh, Voronov did have to flee the Nazis before the outbreak of World War II, but then he was called back to France in 1939 to become a surgeon. Once the war was over, he went back to Castle Voronov, but it had been decimated by bombing. Mm. And, you know, unfortunately, no word on what happened to the monkeys. The I like to think there. Yeah, I like to think that a bomb landed it, like Pirates of the Caribbean style, just busted a hole open and yeah. didn't kill anyone. They just were able to escape. All the apes got out. Through the one hole yeah, in the and wall. They, and they've traveled and they... to Rome and they've <laughs> overthrew the Italian government <laughs> and they've been ruling there ever since. Ever since. <laughs> now, Vornoff wanted to rebuild his castle, but he never did. In 1951, he died in Switzerland from complications from a fall, possibly from pneumonia or a blood clot that might have traveled to his brain. Uh, which was just like how Margaret Wise Brown died. That's right. Just sad but true. Throwback. Now, he was wealthy, but he had been discredited. Yeah, he never did rejuvenate himself, even though he said he would when he needed to. But I guess I guess when the needle got too close to his balls, he decided, <laughs> you know, I'd rather be old. <laughs> I never uh, saw it from this angle, yeah. and I don't like it. <laughs> Can't believe you all let me do this so many times. You're insane. <laughs> Uh, Vornoff was outlived by his third wife, Gertie Schwartz, who was believed by some to be the illegitimate daughter of King Carol of Romania. Ooh. For all you King Carol stands out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> King Carol, I love. Uh, I don't know why, but it makes me think of the King Vitamins cereal box. I don't know why, but it King does. Vitamins cereal? Did you never hear the King Vitamins? What are you talking about? <gasps> well, I don't. I don't know if anyone else knows what it is. Wow. It might be a generic, like, dollar store cereal. <laughs> but we used to have it in our house. <laughs> sort King of a Captain Vitamins? Crunch kind of um, knockoff, I yeah. guess. Yeah, okay. King Vitamin. 
Anyway, <laughs> unimportant. <laughs> and now most newspapers, when Voronov died, they kind of acted like he had never been taken seriously. They didn't, huh. many papers didn't report on his death at all, which is sort of shitty because they were the ones being like, look at this great guy. Right, you know? right. And in the 1990s, some scientists tried to say that Voronov's experiments actually transmitted the HIV AIDS virus from monkeys to humans. Like, it was all his fault. But a 2012 paper by Peter Bajic, Stephen Selman, and Michael A. Rees debunked that claim. They said, quote, Consensus among virologists holds that HIV most likely originated from a chimpanzee virus known as simian immunodeficiency viruses, which many agree was transmitted to humans during the hunting of primates in the early 1900s. HIV isolate studies show that SIV was most likely transferred to humans from a chimpanzee species different from those used by Voronov. Oh, okay. Again, a horrible irony there that while we were hunting for primates to do all of our experiments on, we gave ourselves a terrible virus. Wow. You know what I mean? Yeah. Anyway, McGill University says that the doctor's experiments might be laughable, but actually he did make important contributions to modern endocrinology, biology, and hormone replacement therapy. But, quote, his monkey transplants, however, join the ranks of medical oddities the scientific community would rather forget. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, we all have good and bad things we've done. (laughs) Right. It's just a good, you know, it's a really interesting story to look into because of how much people believed this science and how much the scientists were believing it. Um, You know, the Scientific American article was basically talking about Ivanov specifically to point out bad science when when science goes bad. Right. Because they were kind of like this guy was funded by political a political machine to reach a certain conclusion. Yeah. That's what yeah. they they wanted him to get to his hypothesis rather than disprove it, rather than, you know, really maybe really look at research that disproved it. Yeah. They're like, we make want you to make it work. Yeah. Exactly. And and towards a political end. So they were talking a lot about what happens when science gets caught up in politics, who's funding what and why, yeah, and sure. all that kind of contributing sure. to bad science. And this is a really good example of both of these guys are a really good example of that. But Vornoff, I, I get I get the impression, I don't know if you feel this way or not, having researched all this, that Vornoff wasn't necessarily snake oiling here. Like mm-hmm. I think he believed he what he was doing. Yeah. yeah. And and so like you said, like that pursuit, which he probably I don't know how he could have had more knowledge than he did on it because, mm-hmm. you know, we learned afterwards, well, that was a dumb idea. You know, right. there's a lot of hindsight in science that makes stuff look stupid and silly. Right, but you and like, try what it. were you thinking? But somebody had to try it. Mm-hmm. Um, to learn, yeah. You know, to learn. And and I while I think that the idea is ludicrous and I'm not happy with the idea of the rampant animal abuse um, and the embedded racism and eugenics behind a lot of it and everything right. like that, uh, you know, there are some really gross-sounding science things that have ended up being tremendously beneficial. Right. You know, first one pops into my head is like eating termites. You know, they're like, <laughs> right, there's bugs, whole cultures yeah. that are like, if you came to me and said, I wonder if I could eat this bug, I would say, that's an insane Don't thing to it. even yeah. bring up. <laughs> Why would you experiment with that? Don't do that. Mm-hmm. But somewhere mm-hmm. for a long time, 
People have been making healthy meals. Very true. Out of bugs. Full-on crickets and stuff. Full-on crickets. So, I mean, that's a good point, too, is that you're like, you know, it's real easy to laugh now. But at the time, they really didn't know. I mean, they had just learned that there was even any kind of connection between primates and humans. Right. And they were trying to figure out what that really meant for us. So you have to try a lot of weird shit. So, and I think Ivanov similarly was not necessarily snake oiling. I think he really did believe, like, yeah. I there this is there's something useful here for my country, for my by for humanity overall. Yeah, you know, I don't I don't think there's a lot of malice in either of them. But anyway, yeah, hard to say. It's Ivanov very fascinating. Felt a little more. His felt a little. I mean, not not intentional malice, but that kind of eugenics Mad idea scientist. of like. Well, if I just made everyone a little stupider by breeding them with apes, then we'd have a better society because people would wa- stop wanting things for themselves. Yeah, totally. Isn't that a better world? Yeah. Well, for whom? Mm-hmm. Which, again, I mean, just kind of tells you like how politics influences science sometimes in yeah. a very, very bad way. It right. Doesn't, it doesn't give us anything. Right. You know, that didn't contribute much right, <laughs> to right. anyone. But we got our giant super sheep out of it, at least. Thank God. <laughs> and that's what everybody was really looking for. <laughs> Just create a Soviet army of super sheep. Right. <laughs> well, and then also, I will say Scientific American, because he did have that gross idea to inseminate those women without right. their consent. Right. And that's really gross. And they, Scientific American pointed out, quote, while there was apparently no overt racism in his research, his decision to inseminate African women without their knowledge or consent can only be understood in the context of a racist and sexist colonial attitude. Right. So, again, if you're looking at science and history, you kind of have to look at the overall everything else going on. 100%. In that, you know, that's why it was, I guess it wasn't super relevant, but it was important to know, like, not that long before all this was when Charles Darwin was publishing his theories of evolution. Mm-hmm. That just, like, blew everyone's mind. Yeah. So it changed everything, and poor monkeys, poor apes, they suffered a lot. And they still do. I will say that. We still experiment on apes all the time, and they are treated very poorly. Right, right. And there's, I mean, there's, that's a can of worms Mm -hmm. right there, because there's a lot of questions about, well, where has it brought us, and how many people have lived much better lives because of it, so, you know. I know. I don't, I'm like, I don't There's have a, a solution. I don't want to start oh, yeah. experimenting on people nope. because, of course, you're going to pick poor people. You're going to pick desperate people. You're going to oh, pick yeah. criminals. I mean, you're going to do horrible human rights violations yep. or animal rights violations. It, you know, it's just there's no good way, it feels like. But it I is sad. I actually have a good way. Oh, what is it? And it's I take I take uh, my two index fingers uh-huh. and I bring them up to the side of my head. Okay. And then I put them into my ears mm-hmm. and I make this sound. <laughs> la, 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 Oh, my God. That is helping. <laughs> See? And I, I feel so much better. It's like all the solutions are there. <laughs> we can assume. What a better world. <laughs> <laughs> what a better world. Well, but yeah. So that is our that is our ball sack story for today. Our scrotum story. Yeah. Thanks for tuning scrotum in for science. this one. You know, it's one of those things where it's sometimes... Sometimes there's a true love story here. Uh-huh. Other times it's the story of sex and reproduction and mm-hmm. and how how we navigate those as a species oh, or as yeah. multiple species, as so the case funny. may be. I also, I want to know, what about the 20s specifically where all these old guys were like, I'm going to live forever. I want to be young again. Like, was it just something like coming out of a world war? 
they were like, I, I yeah, want to I mean, go back to my youth. Like, on the one world's hand, different or I don't know. Yeah, on one hand, maybe there is that, like, I'm, I missed my youth and I want it right. back. Mm-hmm. Uh, or everything's booming right now. So, I, I uh, yes, I want man. this forever. So I can get land in Florida. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but I will argue that I don't think... You know, there's science crazes at different points in history, but I don't think this ever really goes away. No, I think there's always rich people. I mean, all people. I'm not rich, and I think of it all the time. Like, how could I live forever? You know, I got my night cream. You know, yeah, right, right, (laughs) right. My anti wrinkles. I'm interested. I would. I think we've talked about this. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, the vampire quandary about like, oh, you'd live forever, but be lonely. You know, you'd be lonely. I'm lonely now. Damn. I'll do it. I'm Sounds here. Great. I am sitting right here. I want to see some stuff. I want to see this stupid Marvel <laughs> Marvel <laughs> series to its end. Damn it. Which you know is going to outlive us all. True. True. We have to watch its inevitable decline. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm down for that. Oh, okay. I'd rather see it than not. Right on. I like You living. can be like, the original first 10 years uh-huh. was great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that's. I would love to... 120 years from now be saying ah you guys will never have anything as good as the winter soldier <laughs> they're like jesus <laughs> this boomer guy. boomer the millennial. i'm sure we'll have a new <laughs> i mean it'll be millennial millennial you yeah millennial this millen- this thousand year old millennial still going on about the infinity saga jeez we're over it old man uh-huh I we're guess on, that's what i run our 14th harry potter reboot that's oh, what we're God. excited about now Well, I guess that's what I wonder is if you live forever, A, do you not feel, I mean, because that's part of aging, right? Getting older. It's not just that your body gets older, Uh but like your mind does. And you start to feel like the world's moving on. And you're, isn't that what what we do in the shadows is all about is that they're sort of like cannot modernize themselves because that's just how it is to live a long time. You just got to keep it fresh like I do. You know, you just got to stay Funky, you just got to be in touch with the kids All and right. the lingo. Okay. You know, be groovy. Like You can walk around. How do you fellow kids? Yeah. That's going to be you? Yeah. <laughs> you know, the kids and me, like, we're on the same page. Oh, yeah? Okay. Any kids listening, please let, let uh, Eli know if y'all are on yeah. the same page. We're all cool. And they're going to be like, what's a page? <laughs> <laughs> True. Damn. I'm just kidding. <laughs> y'all know what pages are. Yeah. It's, the it's thing a Microsoft program. Yeah. <laughs> well, anyway, do let us know what you think about this. Yes, and if you would like to live forever or not, yeah. uh, I would be interested in your opinions. Because I do feel that people would get bored with the world. But maybe you're right. Mm. Boredom is a maybe a sign of low intelligence and not trying that hard. Yeah. So if you really were out there learning pottery. Yep. And doing shit like yep. you could live forever and be very happy. What What do you think? I'd love to know. Yeah, your thoughts about all this nutsack stuff. <laughs> 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 so yeah, send us an email, uh, ridicromance at gmail or hit us up on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at oh great, it's Eli. I'm at Dynamite Boom, and the show is at Ridic Romance. And we really appreciate you listening. We love spending time with you and hearing from you. And I hope you enjoyed this story. That's right. We'll catch you all the next one. Bye. Bye. So long, friends. It's time to go. Thanks for listening to our show. Tell your friends, neighbors, uncles, and aunts to listen to our show, Ridiculous Romance. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, 
We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Hey, guys. Back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck, Yeah. And some waves, so we could go surfing. Oh, ah, love that! A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl, go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. I'm so excited to tell you, J.C. Penney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. 